Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com grief fundamentally changes who we are and how we see the world it's painful and heartbreaking but also transformative and magical. This podcast is about grief and loss, but more importantly, it's about life and living fearlessly. I'm Kelsey Chittick, and welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Grieve. Welcome back, everybody, to the podcast. Today is a great day because one of the most resilient, kind, joyful, just teacher of life um, is a guest today. Her name is Neetha Bhushan, and she is, God, she's kind of everything. This woman is an author. She's a podcaster. She's a performance coach. She is an encourager. She is a connector. Um, She's one of the people that I have met over the last couple of years, and I don't know that we have time on this podcast to get into how we met, because I want her to talk about other things, but I am certain I would not be here today talking to you all or be as joyful and um, grounded as I am if it wasn't for her friendship. So, Neetha, thank you for coming. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here with you. Um, The reason why she's so important to me is, and I'm going to kind of sum it up because I know we don't have a lot of time, but um, for those of you that know my story, my husband died when I was on a trip in Jamaica. And that trip was kind of a spiritual awakening for me. And I met a bunch of amazing people. And the night before my husband died, I actually met Nitha. And we had this deep conversation about life. And we didn't tell everything about each other, but I knew that she was special. I could feel it. I could see the way she walked around the room. There was this light. And I remember thinking, she's probably just had the best life. Like she just looked beautiful and cool and grounded. And I, I just assumed that life had been charming for her. Fast forward to about two weeks after Nate dies. It turns out she lives down the street from me in Playa del Rey. I live in El Segundo. She comes over and she sits down on my deck. And I said, you know, you just don't know what it's like to lose your husband. And she said, well, actually, I kind of do. So I'm going to pass the mic to Nitha so she can explain to you how well she knows grief and um, how she got to where she is now. But tell us your story. Ooh. Wow. What an intro woman. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I feel like when I, when I came to your home that day, there was just, there was so much because I feel like it brought me back to, you know, my adolescence and my childhood and, Growing up as the eldest of of three kids, I was the oldest of you know two younger siblings, and I knew at that moment I felt that the time that we met, I was kind of already in this loop of like, you know, the people that you meet that come into your life, 
they come into your, your life for a reason. And it's so strange and so bizarre because at that event, there was like 400 people mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you and I literally just like bumped heads. And we had such great conversations because we were talking about me wanting to get pregnant and having babies. And then the next day when I heard that the tragedy struck and I'm like, whoa, okay, mm-hmm. sudden death. Oh, wow. That's like bringing back memories. And you know, for everyone listening, so I grew up really early because at 10 years old, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And then she lived this battle for about six years before the cancer kind of went in remission and then it came back and then it spread from her breast to eventually her lungs and her bones. <clears throat> but it was a very trying time because I'm, you know, Filipino and Indian and my dad was very much this strict Indian father and he was losing his wife. And I was 16 when she eventually passed um, and transitioned. And I knew that I had all of this responsibility and tragedy would strike again a year later when my brother, who was 15 months younger than me, we were like, we were buddies. We went to high schools, literally across the street. I went to Lane Tech, shout out to Lane Tech in Chicago. And he went to Gordon Tech in in Chicago. And his school is an all boys school. And we were going to meet because it was my homecoming. um, It's my homecoming game. And I was a senior in high school and he never made it because he collapsed in front of his school and his lungs collapsed over his heart. Um, He had asthma. And for whatever reason, immediately a year after my mom died on my youngest brother's birthday, he decided to go be with her. So they Mm -hmm. tried to revive him three times in the ambulance um, and he never came back. And so literally gone just like that, poof. Uh, And so that was... <laughs> that was a shock to our system because we were just grieving the loss of my mom and it just spiraled all of us into this super heavy anguishing deep depression of like what is this what what is this why and you know you go through the stages of of anger and there was just anger and helplessness and just like this is a dream mm-hmm. and if the dream couldn't get even worse Um, you know, two years later, when we were just starting to pick ourselves up again, my father, we were going to, uh, we were going to our first family wedding and we were going to show up and just be with people again. And my father had an allergic reaction to this like hair dye. I don't even know if you know the story. And we were, we, we were just getting him ready because he was just, he was getting ready to show up again to the family. And he had this allergic reaction and basically his face swells up and we call the ambulance and my heart's dropping because I'm like, oh my God, no, not again. And I just had a, this like weird feeling like, oh God, not again. I don't want to go to this hospital. And of course it's the same hospital that my, my mom was at and And so it was just, it just brought so much traumatic, like PTSD, but in a big way. And after dozens of tests, they said that um, they found a tumor. 
because they needed to do routine tests. So that included a chest X-ray as well. Um, that he was allergic to the to the dye, <laughs> this black dye, because he had silver fox hair. <laughs> Looked like, you know, an Indian version of Anderson Cooper. Uh, <laughs> legitimately. And uh, they said that he had 10 months to live and he died nine months to the date. And so at 19, I lost my mother, my brother, and my father. And so when I come over to your house that day and I give you my book, like Emotional Grit, I'm like, oh, wow, I feel like this weird spiritual connection that we were supposed to cross paths and that you were 10 minutes away. So it was like, okay, God, universe, you wanted me to meet her. Yeah. I mean... It's hard for me to comprehend what you what you just said. Um, I lost one person and I felt upside down for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just now kind of standing back straight up. But the, there's so much we can talk about around that. Just there's there's the point that what is this about? You know, what are the big existential questions? Um, I, of course, don't find it ironic that your brother left a year later. Um, I've heard on this podcast a couple stories of people, um, this one guy that I just adore, he lost his whole family. And about a month, he lost his wife and his two kids. And a month before his wife and two kids got in this car accident, um, she had a allergic reaction to a bee sting. And she almost died. And when they got home from the hospital, she said, you know, I remember going away, but I thought I can't leave my kids. And a month later, she died and took the kids. Oh my God. So it's kind of this thing about souls and we could go into that forever. But Mm -hmm. I do encourage people to think outside the box, literally when it comes to death and timing, Um, because we don't question a lot of things in life. We don't question that the sun's going to rise and that the seasons are going to come, but we sure do question death as if Mm -hmm. it's bad or wrong. And I think a lot of that's because it feels so bad and it feels so wrong. But when I look at you and I look at what what it has what it has done for your soul and your heart and your leadership and what you do in the world every day um it's the most beautiful thing cuz it changed you and there 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 has to be a reason for all of this and i don't know how to find those reasons but i think paying attention when you're grieving is really important um to start to see the dots that are connecting so it doesn't feel so out of control and you have some sense that I don't know what I'm here for, but I'm here for it. And mm-hmm. there is no one who has done that more. So mm. can you just tell a little bit about, you know, what your first 10 years were like when you didn't do the work of grief and and then what that work looked like for you and how it shows up in your life now? Oof. Yes. So in those first 10 years, I think we were just, we were just trying to stand up. Kind of like you said, it was like, I mean, I loved, you know, there's that passage in your book and I know we talked about it on, on my, on, on the brave table on my podcast, but there's that passage in your book where it just, it gets me every time where you really thought of the words or the words just kind of spoke through you on how you were going to break it to your kids on how Nate was gone and that gets me every time because it was almost medicinal for me to hear, oh, wow. Yeah. Like that, 
reckoning or reclamation of just the little girl in me that needed to hear those words. Mm-hmm. Because as a child or as a teenager, a, a preteen, you don't even know what you needed to hear. And I feel like you did that so well. And during that time, you know, even when we when we lost my mom and my brother, my dad only knew traditional therapy, like right. only traditional talk therapy. And that too was a taboo because he was from India, even though he was a bit progressive. I mean, he married a Filipino woman and they were, you know, they were, they were doing their thing in Chicago. It just wasn't like we were kind of the outcast because he was even like, all right, let's do therapy, you know? And in the therapy, it was like, draw out your feelings, draw these pictures. And I was like, what the fuck am I? I doing? And there was just so much anger. And the way that I processed it was very much so different than my brother, who's five years younger than me, because he was 14 and I was 19. Very different. And so for me, it was like, I took it upon myself to just focus. And and it was schoolwork and excellence and achievement because that was really in my dad's head. That was like how I was raised. It was like good grades, achieve, achieve, achieve. And just, you'll get out of this, you know, this, this kind of bottomless pit that you're in right now. Right. And you'll get out of that dark tunnel. And that was me. I didn't want anybody to feel bad for us. I mean, cause there were talks of like us losing our home, having to live with other family members. I mean, we were just so, it was just like, our world was just going to be torn up into shreds of what we knew. And, and for those 10 years of going through just the anguish and pain of loss after loss after loss. It was like enough. Right. So I'm just so grateful that we were able to sustain our home. I was able to work three jobs. It was about survival in those 10 years. And it was really survival to sure, please the ghosts of my, my, my parents. So I became a dentist. I did all the traditional things. I, you know, I, I, I was holding on to uh, relationships that were not good, men who probably didn't treat me right at all. And it really led me to that very first awakening of myself. And it was getting married, you know, having this like first class life on every level of, you know, money and travel and all of the things. But I was just so spiritually dead and I was just living in fear. And I was living in fear of what everybody was going to think of me. And it led me to this human who would teach me all about you know, unconditional love for yourself because he was the opposite of that. Right. The complete opposite of that. I mean, talk about abuse, narcissism, sociopathic. Um, and for me, I needed to heal this wound of abandonment because I carried abandonment wounds for that entire season of those 10 years. And so when I radically had to make this shift of like, oh my gosh, he's going to hurt me and my brother, he's already threatened to kill us. Uh, I had to really make that change of my life of, okay, I how did I get here? Because on the outside, I had all of the things. I had a, a thriving practice. I was barely 30 years old. I excelled in every which way on the outside. Right. But on the inside, I had no idea who I was. Right. I never knew about any sort of internal work for myself, nor did I ever allow myself to fully grieve. The, the full word of grieving. I mean, I grieved, yeah. but like literally... Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. 
flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And, and what, is that, what does that look like? What does, and I, I think about this all the time. What is full grieving? Like what, how, do you, how do you fully grieve while you're in school, while you're raising kids, while you're being a friend? And then how do we toggle in and out of full grieving and and life? Because grief is a full-time job Mm -hmm. to be done properly. Um, And most people don't have time to just lay on the floor for eight hours and and nor do you want to um, Mm -hmm. because you need new neuropathways with different memories. But what does fully grieving look like or did it look like for you when you, after you left your first marriage? Yeah. So it was, there was a lot of so much came to the surface because it was it was uncontrollable crying. It was yeah. like wailing. It was just allowing yourself to go there. And I remember because I was a dentist, so I would talk to all of my medical friends and my doctor friends and my dentist friends, and I was like, "Can you just prescribe me, you know, a Xanax or whatever you guys right. want to prescribe me?" And then they all were like, "No, Nita, you need to do this. Like you've right. never done this. You've always been." going 180 miles an hour, like you need to slow down. And and at this point, like viscerally, like spiritually, I wanted to slow down. And this was when my practice was growing just immensely. And at the same time, I had to get into fears of like lawyers and, you know, all of these other just various roadblocks that were really just preparing me mentally for, you know, resilience. And like you said, my leadership because I had no idea who I was. I was constantly that people pleaser who would do everything for everyone under the sun because that's what that meant. And for me to go fully leaning back and telling friends like, I don't have this. I'm, I don't have it together. Right. Like I am a fucking mess. Right. I'm a wreck. And for people to come and take care of me in that way, I had never experienced that at all. Yeah. I think it's interesting because I think all of us, we, you, it's not just when you're grieving, but I'm I'm a mess and I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I, I live in those two spots. And I think um, if maybe we stopped with this linear experience of grief or even life that, you know, you've either got it together or you don't, it's actually, it's just not like that. And I think grief is this great teacher of how to navigate the ups and downs of life. And I think why so many people I admire have been through stuff. It isn't because I think they're so strong or they're so smart. It's because they're still standing in between falling down, right? They're still, they still have a desire to make the most of this thing 
in spite of and because of what they have gone through. And I don't, you know, when we, can you share some of the practices? Because I mean, so you're a coach and there's nobody that's coached me better or reminded me about joy, but how do you, because it's not just that you're helping people become who they're supposed to be or reach their full potential. How do you not get scared about death and about now you have your own children? Help me because that's, and I've gotten much better, but how do you couch it all to say like, I'm here for this. I'm, I'm joyful. I've done my grief work and I'm going to keep going and not be afraid. Cause that's really what you've taught me. It's the other side of fear. Cause once you lose somebody and you kept losing them and it's like, you start going like, is this a joke? Like who else, who else is going? Who's 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 taking? Right. Exactly. (laughs) Like who's dying, who's dying today that I love? You know, and I, and honestly, I've, I've done so much work from, you know, just seeing, seeking out different healers and different, you know, so many different kinds of modalities. And I think the biggest, you know, during the, the initial weight of that period, it was allowing myself. And I, I remember doing this. I was like, okay, I'm going to allow myself 20 minutes to grieve. I, I did the same thing. I go mm-hmm. into the office and this, at this point I was a dentist, right? So before I got into the office, 20 minutes, like set the timer and I would just like ball my eyes out and cry my eyes out and then leave, come back home and do the same thing again in the evening. Yeah. And so it was like dedicated time for that to release the emotions. And now what I know now about trauma processing, embodying the emotions, you know, now as a as, as a coach and I'm kind of like teaching a lot of these practices, it was like, oh my god, it was already like I was already doing that, you know, way back when. And to be okay in the duality of those right. emotions. Yes. Because so many people, you know, I remember going to different like family, friends, functions and weddings and things like that shortly after my divorce or shortly after my dad died, because I just wanted to be fucking normal. Yeah. You know, and people didn't really know what to say because they're like, oh my God, she just lost her dad. Why is she here? Oh my God, shouldn't she be at home? And it's like, if you lost somebody, please, (laughs) please try to go out and and have fun because you can have fun. There's nothing and nobody that's going to say like, you have to be in this grief box and do not come out of it for... God knows how long, like we are human beings. And in that, to be able to have sadness with joy and, right. you know, and, 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 and laugh at jokes, even though you're, you're bawling your eyes out five minutes before, you know, that is kind of the expansion of the entire realm of human emotion. Yeah. I, I love that. Cause I think I've tried to explain it, but you said it, it's almost like we make time to eat. We make time to shower. We make time to work out and we should make time to grieve it. As you get more nuanced in your grief journey, you can decide if you want to put on that Phil Collins song that, you know, is going to break <laughs> you or Chicago or, uh, or, you know, or start looking at pictures and there's, there's a time and a place for ghost that for me. The ghost oh, ghost, God. Oh, oh, God, all of it. Oh. And or me at night, just cutting by like looking through the iPhone at every memory that I ever mm-hmm. had or the kids when they were little with him. But I've, I've learned now that I almost enjoy those moments where I'm crying in the car or I'm sad because I feel so much better after. Mm-hmm. And I learned that by watching my kids. And if you do have kids that are grieving, mine were nine and 12, but you'll watch their grief is very short. 
and it's quick. And it's actually really cool to watch because they get in and out of it very quickly because no one's ever told them that they're supposed to be happy or supposed to be sad. So -hmm. they're still in that childlike way of kind of sobbing and then going out with their friends. Um, So I've learned that maybe as adults, because I think we get stuck in one or the other, like, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. That part, that doesn't work. But neither does just like wallowing forever Mm -hmm. because you almost get addicted to the thinking, well, shit, my husband died. I should be really sad. I can't be out there like dry humping someone on the dance floor. You know, I'm, (laughs) I'm supposed to be broken. The duality of grief is really interesting because unless you've been through it, you don't understand how you could be so grateful for where you are and so miserable at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so putting it in boxes of time, I love that. Um, Just like you would a friend. And grief is a friend. And you know, you sit down with them and you have coffee. And then you say, actually, it's time to go because I got to go to work. So um, that is something you're really good at. Um, Being in the emotion of of what is at that time, and then moving as quickly as possible to things that bring you joy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And having that whole rediscovery process, you know, I think for anybody who is going through grief right now or having this relationship with grief, really prioritizing all of the things that bring you joy. And it, it, it would totally change. Like, you know, there were times where I forgot like what actually made me laugh. You know, and just going into that, whether it's creating a playlist, whether it's like searching on YouTube for like just funny clips. I mean, we have all of these things now. So like you can actually prioritize that and make that an exercise for you, you know? And I think that also um, I've learned this recently and, you know, to be able to even... because grief comes through stages, right? We we go through this period of anger and rage as well. And I don't know if you felt any of that anger, rage through your grief process. Yeah, mine but, was, I was mostly sad just mm-hmm. because I don't have anger very often. I, I wish I had more of it because I think anger moves to action. Sadness just mm-hmm. makes you fall down. I wish I could be angrier. I'm working on that, like feeling that feeling. That's not a big one for me, but um, it is for my daughter. Mm. So I watch somebody light up with grief, anger, mm-hmm. and it's wonderful because it burns like fire, you know? Oh, yeah. To be able to like, you know, have a little container and to mm-hmm. throw things or to crumple up paper and to right. step on it and to have a whole ritual of literally moving those emotions from our body, yeah. you know, and we, we've talked about like, you know, like different ways to like get it out, whether it's shamanic shaking, dancing, dancing, dancing is the dancing. answer. Getting, yeah. getting, I mean, I have danced in my bra and underwear and I don't even shut the curtains for the neighbors. <laughs> I say, you know, lucky them if they get to see this white 45 year old body. But I mean, music, music is a great healer, really loud. Like mm-hmm. I listened to, I listened to Pink, I Am Here. Yes. More often than anybody should. Oh my God. Or hip hop or something that reminds you, you were someone before hell hit you. Yes. You know, some hip hop song from middle school or the nineties. There Um, are like rage playlists, you know, wasn't there like rage against the machine or something like that, but like, you know, heavy metal and take a pillow and just start, you know, start banging it somewhere and just to be okay surrendering and not judging yourself for getting in that full act of letting go. Because like you said, I mean, 
that it's a whole release. And to release all of that, you totally feel better. Um, We only have a little bit of time. Tell me how you connect to your parents and your brother now. Ooh, you know, I feel like it's changed over the years. I have with, you know, and especially having had two small kids in the last like four years, um, some of the ways that I've actually connected with, you know, with them has been through psychedelic experiences and through, you know, plant medicine and, and psilocybin. And I know, you know, obviously there's lots of clinical trials, studies and everything. And we can, that could be a whole different episode. And now it's honestly through, it's through prayer, it's through Mm -hmm. meditation, it's through, um, like mostly in stillness and being. And now it actually comes through when I'm talking to my kids about them because Mm. my son is about three and a half. And I have chills. And now it's like, I can share that, you know, with him. And he's like, so who was, you know, Dada? Because that's what they would call him. Or actually, no, Nani and Nana. Yeah, Yeah. So that's what they would call him. So, um, or he would call them. So that's, that's where I'm at at this phase. Yeah, I think um I think knowing that that we all can reconnect in some ways and just like any relationship there's times in your life where they're closer to you. Mm-hmm. And times in your life where you're like they're a little bit in the background um depending on what relationships or what's what space you're in. If you had if they had to say one thing about your life um and it wouldn't be that they would want you to be happy because we already know that, but what would they be most impressed? What would your what would your dad and mom want you to know? I think that this has been the best journey and adventurous ride and, and, you know, to fully surrender because this is exactly where you're supposed to be in all the ways. Yeah. And you, you live that, um, more than anybody I know. And when you think about your brother, um, what's your favorite memory of him? Oh my gosh. You know, it's interesting. I've, I've met my brother's energy and soul through other people throughout the years that I've gotten so close with. And it's so, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's interesting. It's, and, and a lot of my very close family friends, they'd say now that they're like, you know, Ari, my son has a lot of my brother's tendencies, DJ. That was his name, DJ. And and so, you know, for DJ was just, he was a goofball and he was very much like the class clown. He made everyone laugh. And I've, I have really close, you know, male friends who embody that for sure. 100% were yep. <laughs> also Aquarius, Aquarii, just like he was. Mm-hmm. And so it's just fascinating how, you know, his energy still lives on in a lot of the people that I'm very, very close to. Yeah. But I would say is his, his humor for sure. And you're, and, and there is a lightness and a free way of walking through the world that has been inspiring for me. So I hope everybody that listened today knows that, you know, there is, there can be great, great tragedy and there's so many stories around it. Um, but there's so much hope and so much good and so much laughter and so much fun to have still for those of us that are still walking around in the physical realm, which I just think is impressive. And I believe wherever the people went, they're doing great. So we best go on. 
and do great in their honor while we're still here because I, I know it will be a blink. And I'm so grateful for you. So thank you so much for listening, everybody. And thank you, Nitha. I love you dearly. I love you. Thank you for listening. And remember, keep going. It gets better.